This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. The Property Show on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good morning, this is The Property Show on BFM 89.9. This week, we are talking to Datuk N.K. Tong, the President of the Real Estate and Housing Developers Association, Malaysia. Of course, still, the hot topic is the revised budget 2023, and we'll find out whether what was unveiled hit the mark or not as far as the property sector is concerned. Welcome to the show, Datuk, and good morning. Morning, Keith. Please call me N.K. Everyone does. Cool. N.K., before we get into the budget, you have been radar present for not even a year now, taking over from Datuk Som Heng Chun in July last year. What are your main objectives in leading this association first off? First, I have to say, Datuk Som did an amazing job over four years and huge shoes to fill. My job, I see it very, very simple. You know, we want to encourage our radar members to continue our nation building role Mm -hmm. in delivering affordable quality homes in a timely manner. And everything that we do falls in line with that. And ultimately, for the benefit of the rakyat. Because if we can deliver on those uh, goals, I think that will actually encourage the industry to prosper. What are the main issues confronting your members at the moment? I mean, obviously, the recovery from COVID is one of them, right? Yeah. Recovery from COVID, people have taken in the stride. Because, you know, it was two and a half, three years, and people are uh, coming back to dealing with that. I think it's the after effects. So, for example, rising costs of construction, more lately, the um, labour issue. And, you know, kudos to the new unity government who have fast-tracked the approval process. However, the challenges still remain because aside from approval, there's the processing of the workers actually getting them in. You know, in the, the recent World Cup, I heard there were 200 flights daily between Dubai and Doha because right. people were watching the game, going home to sleep in Dubai and then coming back. Not enough hotel rooms in Doha. Oh, okay. 200 flights a day. We don't have 200 flights a day to bring yeah. all the workers that we need, you know. So I think it will still take months to clear. And um, again, you know, looking at it from a point of the right yet, we are trying to make housing more affordable. And if labour continues to be a, a pain point, that will add to costs. So we have the rising construction costs, we have the labour shortage. And the third issue, which we have highlighted previously, is compliance costs. Mm. Now, let me be clear, I mentioned good quality, affordable, timely. So as far as compliance is concerned, we must have robust regulations. We don't expect any compromises on safety and quality. And I must say, the Ministry of Housing, KPKT, through the leadership of YB Nga, have continued to uphold those standards and set a very good benchmark globally. The challenge is when it goes down to state and local authorities and even private utilities, they they start to add additional requirements, which may or may not increase the quality, improve safety, help with timely delivery. And any of those additional requirements slow the delivery process down and can ultimately be detrimental to the rakyat, especially in terms of costs, given that we are in an inflationary environment. Can can I know what sort of engagement you have had with YB Ngakoming at the moment? Uh, Yes, we have uh, met up with him to share some of our concerns. I think he has set the right tone for the ministry. He is balanced and fair. Mm-hmm. And if you look at some of the things that he's been talking about in public, it's very rakyat focused, very rakyat friendly. And if you ask me, I think that is the right approach because if consumers feel that there's protection, there's a viable delivery system, etc., they're more likely to then want to invest in real estate. 
I want to talk about some concerns you raised recently following the release of the Radar Property Industry Survey covering the second <coughs> half of 2022, as well as your market outlook. Your survey found that more than half, that's about 51% of property developers, are not planning to launch new projects in the first half of this year. Uh, you cited unfavourable market conditions. I want to pick on that. Can you paint us a picture on the sources of these unfavourable market conditions? So we have over 1,500 members in Radar. We send out this survey every six months. Mm-hmm. And we typically get about 10% response. So this time we had 136 respondents. That could be a factor of either, you know, developers who were active in the market and or they had time to fill up the survey. It's a very long survey. So when I look at the results, I look at it mainly from a sentiment point of view or okay. directional, but it's not absolute. So jumping into, you said 51% of the developers who don't plan to launch yeah. in the next six months have cited unfavorable market conditions. I think, again, we don't actually ask them what those conditions are, but if I had to speculate or just, you know, from feedback, I would say it's a combination of a couple of things. One is, as you mentioned, you know, coming out of the pandemic. So if you look at 2022, very familiar, revenge shopping, revenge eating, revenge travel, right? Okay. Coming out of pandemic, people want to shop, want to eat, want to travel, Properties? Do people want to they do, do revenge property buying as well? Well, I wouldn't say revenge, but you didn't see that type of maybe appetite. But it's very different because the first three that I mentioned are very low-ticket items or easy to um, indulge in. But when it comes to property investment, it has a long gestation period. So people really have to be comfortable before they go ahead. Mm. And so whether it's market sentiment, you know, understanding the pandemic is really over, there's no fourth, fifth, sixth wave. And then, of course, we had the elections and the new government. Yes. So I think with all that behind us now and with the way the new unity government is going, you'll see consumer sentiment improve and uh, therefore confidence return to the market and therefore the ability to make a long-term commitment in buying a property. You are a property developer yourself, Bukit Gara <coughs> Properties. How do you see you know, rising interest rates, customers' ability to obtain loans, high input costs and all these playing yeah. into your business? I think when it comes to increasing interest rates, right? So that, that, that's sort of double-edged sword because on the one hand, people say, oh, it's getting more expensive to buy properties. But on the other hand, increasing interest rates signal the government trying to cool off inflation. Yeah. That means there is inflation and what better way than to protect yourself against inflation through property. But specific to housing loan interest rates, it's coming off a very low base. And OPR is rising in a moderate manner. You know, if you look at the US, I mean, it went from 0.25 to, was it now, 4.75, mm-hmm. with 3.75 increases in three months, and then, you know, scaling back to 0.5. We don't do that in Malaysia. You know, we have 0.25, and then sometimes we, we take a pause. So I think that seems to be being absorbed by, by the market and also consumers. But at the same time, they have to be concerned that properties probably won't get cheaper given the inflation backdrop. There's also this issue of oversupply property overhang, which we've been discussing for (coughs) as long as I've been in this business. How bad has this become over the pandemic years? What's the situation like right now? Okay, so let's address the issue of completed but unsold units. People like to call it overhang, but they're really completed and unsold. So there's no judgment. If you look at the Malay description, it is completed but unsold. And you will always have that because there are projects that may be priced wrongly in a certain location 
or may be developed in the wrong location for the market. Okay. Right? Those will eventually clear through price adjustment or maybe repurposing of a building. The situation is exacerbated during the pandemic because suddenly sentiments change, people can't go out to look at properties. They were already in the pipeline, right? I think we need a few years to understand what is the residual impact from the pandemic on some of these properties. But I think moving forward, you know, people will continue to look for properties in the right location at the right price. And if we can make sure that the delivery system is able to do that. And so everyone has to work hand in hand, developers, contractors, uh, local authorities, the government, and all the industry professionals to make sure that that happens. Then hopefully completed Banso will remain at a lower level. Now, I like to look at it like uh, the unemployment rate. Okay. Ideally, you should have a low unemployment rate, right? But you can't have too low an unemployment rate because then wages skyrocket. Mm. And that also is bad for the economy. So I think with a housing supply stock, there always has to be, there shouldn't be too much, but there shouldn't be too little. Okay. Yeah. So on their holding back launching, they want to wait for a market that isn't quite there yet at the moment. I was just wondering if they wait longer, wouldn't the situation be even worse? I mean, the margins are already compressed because input costs are already going up, right? You know, if I look at a typical developer, they're in a dilemma today. Because in the past couple of months, they've gone to contractors and said, hey, can you get this job done? And they said, mm, no. Said, okay, I'll pay you more. Mm, no, because, because the contractor's concerned whether they even have the workers to do that. You know, the price of commodities is, is a bit like Bitcoin. They're bouncing everywhere, up and down, up and down. So it's very hard for Hopefully a developer. Hopefully not as volatile. <laughs> uh, sometimes more volatile. They're building projects that could take three years to deliver. And what will happen to the construction cost in the meantime? So... Some of the unfavorable market condition is just pure uncertainty and volatility. Okay. Maybe they want to see, okay, look, you know, uh, cement prices are going up, you know, because electricity tariffs are going up. How far are they going to go and will they stop and plateau or will they carry on? So maybe I'll just wait six months to see that it's plateaued and then I'll be able, again, thinking about the rakyat, I'll be able to price my project more competitively so that the rakyat doesn't have to pay too much, but so that I have enough to finish the project. I'm, I'm also asking this because the major listed property developers <coughs> like Glomac and Sunway, Matrix Concepts, Sundarby Properties, they have been generating pretty decent earnings in their latest figures. So I would imagine margin compression isn't really one of their concerns. I think margin compression is everyone's concern. It's just that we don't see it, right? Because again, it's three years. So some of the results you're seeing now is from projects that were, were launched three years ago. Okay. So what happens today to a project launched today and where it, when it's finally delivered in three years, you know, vis-a-vis -vis the rising costs and vis-a-vis -vis the pricing, the competitive pricing that they have to put in today. This is The Property Show and we are having a chat with Dato N.K. Tong, the new president of the Real Estate and Housing Developers Association Malaysia. He has only been on the job for less than a year and quite a lot on his plate. In a little while, let's find out how much can Budget 2023 move the needle for Malaysia's property sector. BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, welcome back to The Property Show. In the studio with me this morning is Dato N.K. Tong, the president of the Real Estate and Housing Developers Association Malaysia. N.K., coming back to your radar market outlook for 2023 this time, it says 61% of your respondents plan to launch their projects in the first half of this year. I kind of take this as good news. It is, right? Again, you know, like I said, <laughs> it's, it's more of a sentiment survey. But yes, it's good that it's 61, not zero. Right? Yeah. 
It could be a function of two things. One is that they're optimistic about the next six months and they want to go ahead, and or they have been waiting throughout the pandemic to do this, and or uh, approvals have just come through. Yeah. Okay. At the same time, they don't seem encouraged about their sales performance as well. Why do you think it is? I think the question was, what percentage of you will sell 50% within six months? And it was mm. a, a lower percentage. I think it's just the reality of the market today. I think people have choice. People take their time. And again, as I mentioned, maybe consumer sentiment improves as the uh, new unity government continues to show stability. Then people will be more confident to pick up. Properties. I also found it interesting in your report that, well, the one thing that the MCOs and all these lockdowns have taught us is to harness technology. Yeah. And uh, I noticed that it's the same thing with big ticket items like property. Tell me what you see this trend to be like. Are developers really harnessing this technology and are consumers embracing it up? Yep. Yeah. Sure. We're, we're talking about digital marketing, for example. Right. You know, before I dive into that, maybe we just look at what something the rest of us will understand, which, you know, it was going to the office, and then pandemic, you are working from home on Zoom. And then now we're reopening and perhaps the employer is giving you a choice. You want to be in the office, you want to work from home. And it becomes hybrid. Some people like us today, we're in the studio because we don't want to be at home. So with developers, we found during the pandemic, there was no choice. Showrooms were shut down. It was under the MCO. People moved to digital marketing to reach the audience. And the audience had no choice because they couldn't go to a showroom. They had to turn to digital marketing to understand and have that experience of walking through a showroom, but virtually. Now that it's opened up, we find it is becoming hybrid. Okay. So, it's, so it's the same as, you know, sometimes I work from home, sometimes I come into the office. And the hybrid here, I think, is the leads generation. You know, people can go online shopping. But when it comes to narrowing down, perhaps they look at 10 projects online and they decide to go visit three or four showrooms. Yeah. So it was unfortunate that we had the pandemic, but I think it's a healthy development that this has happened. And you can also see in the dollar spend, I think from the survey in uh, 22 to the survey in 23, the digital marketing spend per company has dropped, but it continues to be there. So I think they say, okay, now we don't have to be fully virtual. We can spend a bit less to bring them in the showroom and then we engage them in the showroom. Now, your survey was done before Budget 2023 was unveiled. So, in a nutshell, how do you think what was announced during the budget might move the needle for the industry? Two ways to look at it. Perceived movement of needle because we are here yeah. forward-looking. Maybe developers may be disappointed. Oh, we could have had more goodies. You know, look, yeah, you can't satisfy There's everyone. never yeah. a perfect budget. And if everyone's happy with the budget, you have to be worried. Yeah. But I think... If you go forward and look back in one year, I think this was a pretty good budget for everybody and, and developers uh, will be able to benefit from it. So I think the outlook may be brighter than surveyed. But again, we'll know a year from now, if you get me back in here and we look at the results again, we can talk about that. Immediately, what items jumped out at you that you know got you, whoa, I'm <coughs> excited? Right. So, so, I mean, not that I am excited. Or rather but, for the industry. But I think for, no, not just for the industry, but for the economy and for Malaysia and specifically for the right. Yeah. So I come back again, you know, Reda, we are doing this nation building role for the people and as long as the government continues to take care of the right yard, I think everyone will benefit. So one of the specifics is very similar to what I said about KPKT, Ministry of Housing's approach, especially with Waibinga, balanced and fair, right? So I think with Dr. Sri Anwar's plan, you can see the focus is very targeted towards those who need it. 
And, and I think if you can take care of everybody, mm-hmm. especially the ones who need it, and everyone thrives and the economy thrives and the sentiment gets better, that will all go well for the real estate industry. Because I, I kind of find that there's very likely going to be some sort of trickle-down effect that will impact the housing sector. There's quite a lot that's aimed at the B40 and the M40 groups, income taxes, reduction, hopefully some more manageable cost of living initiatives that might see them a bit more receptive to affording their own homes. Also, the stamp duty exemption for first-time home buyers for properties costing 500000 to a million ringgit. How do you see your members working to further this? Yeah, so so you mentioned the stamp duty waivers. Yeah. It's not the HOC 1 or 2. Maybe this is HOC light. Again, it's targeted, right? We're still saying, look, if you're a first-time home buyer and you are buying something below half a million, the government would waive the stamp duties. I think that is very intelligent and it's encouraging home ownership. And again, you know, if it's between half a million and a million, then it's 0.75. So I think that's good. As far as radar members are concerned, we'll continue to find ways to deliver more affordable quality homes in a timely manner. And I think the timely part is where we're engaging stakeholders to make sure that things continue to improve. You know, you asked what stood out about the budget. I think it's not what was actually written, but how Datuk Sri Anwar closed. Okay. He said, you know, all parties should work together and put corruption aside. Now, when he says that, it presupposes that there was corruption to begin with, right? And look, it's taboo to talk about that of any government in the world at any time. But, you know, with 1MDB being talked about globally, I guess it's okay. I'm reminded about a famous quote by H.L. Mention, who said, elections are a sort of advance auction of stolen goods. Okay. <laughs> yeah, think about that. Think about that. Because, yeah. I mean, we all, you know, as an as, uh, elected leader, we, we stand on platforms and, and we say, okay, look, vote for me and I'll get this for you. And I think Dr. Sri Anwar's message was really powerful because, and in line with his, his six key thrusts for Mandini, the sixth of which is trust. And trust is where, you know, if we can take out corruption. So you see the size of this budget. I mean, it's expansionary, it's record-breaking. And some people say, whoa, that's very irresponsible. Except if I was given a choice between an expansionary budget like that with the emphasis on taking out corruption versus a very tight budget, but we know there's corruption, I'd rather spend more so that Mm. the people can get it in their hands. And what he said mirrors what Mengxian said, which was, okay, look, please return the stolen goods or please let's not steal and let's share and make sure that the whole economy benefits, the rakyat will benefit and therefore every industry will benefit. You were right about that. That did stand out for me as well. The fact that he addressed many measures to stamp out corruption, you know, the cancelling of direct negotiations and and all that. So yes, if we address the leakages, more money goes back into into the economy. I want to go back to the point where you talked about the HOC. So it's not making a comeback now and you guys are okay with it. (laughs) I can't speak for all my members, but I would say yes, because I think I have already messaged the members and said, look, we cannot expect another HOC. If we do get one, that is bonus. However, I think the government has to balance where the money is spent, right? I think if the government said no HOC, but I give this industry, this industry, this industry, extra, 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 yeah, maybe our our members would have cause to be upset. Mm -hmm. But the fact that the government says, look, we need to support the B40, we need to support the Rakyat, so we're going to do targeted, you know, 500 ringgit for EPF accounts that are less than 10,000 so they can rebuild their savings, you know. Those kind of messages, I think, 
both as an individual, as an industry player, and as a Malaysian citizen, we have to accept that is the right way to go. There's also an emphasis on better connectivity. They've been talking about transport-oriented development for the longest time, but you kind of need to have those transport hubs first. And I think with the opening of the MRT2 in a few weeks' time, I believe, there's quite a lot of land to be developed. And this should be in line with affordable housing that's also in good locations. How do you see the industry picking this up? The industry will naturally pick it up because the rakyat will demand it, right? They see a MRT stop, they say, great, I'm going to buy something around here. Now, as far as affordable housing is concerned, I mean, that is depending on the price of the land. So typically around the world, affordable housing is something that's driven by government. In Malaysia, we have a unique uh, system where the developers have to cross-subsidize. And sometimes that cross-subsidies causes situations that we talked about earlier of completed but unsold. And, And then there's a lot of criticism. Why don't developers do market research? We do. Of course we do. But if the market research tells us this has to be uh, 550, 550,000 is the sweet spot, but we find that we have to cross-subsidize affordable housing, who knows what we have to then sell at, maybe 600, maybe a bit more, and suddenly you push it beyond the affordability, and then you have completed unsold. <laughs> so I think coming back to affordable housing around transport-oriented developments, I, hopefully you know, government can identify government land and do those projects for the right yard. At the end of the day, the budget was a great one to help the B40 social services as well as to help alleviate some of the cost of living issues and it addressed corruption. What would Reda have liked to have been included? That's a difficult one, right? Look, as far as an industry body, of course, we we want a, a laundry list and everything and the kitchen sink. But I think the reality is what we want is a robust budget that will drive the country forward for the next 12 months. And if we can have that, then what you're going to find is consumer sentiment will improve. And if they continue to deliver on what is said in the budget, consumer sentiment will continue to improve. And that's when they then feel confident to make a purchase decision. Mm. And that's as best as what we can hope for in an industry. I mean, everyone's concerned about expansionary budget. That is in anticipation of a global challenging macro environment. If the global environment isn't so challenging, the government always has the option not to spend the budget. It's a budget. It's not that they are going to spend it, right? So hopefully it is not as tough an environment as anticipated, but, you know, it seems like the world's most broadcast global recession. But if it doesn't come to pass, then the government has spare bullets that they may choose to deploy elsewhere. But if it does come to pass, at least we as a country are ready to weather a challenging economic environment and we have the tools in the toolkit to take care of it. Better to be prepared. Yeah. Safe than sorry. <laughs> NK, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you for so much for the chat. Thank you. On The Property Show today, I've been speaking with Dato NK Tong, the President of the Real Estate and Housing Developers Association Malaysia or RADA. If you have missed any part of this conversation, you can download the podcast on the BFM app, which you can also find on the Apple App Store or Google Play. We are also on Spotify. I'm Keith Kam. This is BFM 89.9, The Business Station. The Property Show on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.